Hey guys. Hi. How's it going? How are you? No, how are you? No, how are you? How are you? How are you feeling? Are you okay? Are you okay? We've all been talking about it. Are you? This is an adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to this week's Boss Bitch Podcast. Uh, We have an incredible guest for you this week. Yes, her Uh, name is Rachel Stivers. She's wonderful. She is a a costume. uh, She's in the costume department. Costume designer, a buyer, um, wardrobe. She does all things in that, has done all things in that department. She started in theater, yeah. moved on to TV. She's worked on some shows you might know, like Playing House. Mm-hmm. Arrested Development. Review. Uh, Eagle Heart. And uh, a bunch of other shit. Yeah, I like how we went, we went like, <laughs> 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 Eagle Heart. Ever uh, heard of Dirty it? Dirty Girl, The Little Blue Pill. You know? With a Coppola. Oh, there's a Coppola in it. <laughs> well, there's some Coppola talk to be had. Actually, that happened after we stopped recording. <laughs> we'll have to have her back. Anyway, <laughs> stick around. She was amazing. So funny. Has so many great stories talking about uh, her ambition, her life, costuming, great tips if you're in a mall. Yeah. And you are in a mall. Don't lie. You're mall walking right now. (laughs) Stay tuned. Your hair looks great. Thanks. Rebecca's a redhead now, everybody. Uh, Have we started? Are we starting now? Uh... Uh, yeah. Well, somebody's uh, ready yeah. for us. <laughs> so we intro. We're going to have like a proper intro for you too. Okay, so cool. Anything you want to put in there? Um, I was I don't think so. Or or how you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to make a joke and then I was like, "No, don't say anything nice about yourself." <laughs> there no, it goes again. Keep it down. Keep it down. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am a redhead now. Um, but you guys are are not, but Rachel just cut her hair too. Yeah, and I was a redhead in college yeah. after my high school boyfriend broke up with me. Nice. That sounds about right. Nice. Yeah, and I sometimes that was the last time I ever dyed my hair. Yeah, and sometimes I look back on those pictures and I'm just like, I must have had the best friends in the world who let me go through this and didn't mm-hmm. say anything to me about <gasps> how fucking horrible you look yeah. to have weird like box hair dye and like black eyebrows yeah, yeah. <laughs> there yeah. was something about hair dye back in the day too that when you wanted to be a redhead it was a maroon head yes mm-hmm, definitely yes. straight maroon Acidic, like, yeah maroon. yeah i did all of those colors I, I was blonde only in the top so i was like a rock of love contestant or was wow like really dark in the bottom in high school and it was like i thought i looked like beyonce so mm. destiny's child yeah right i course. must have had the best friend or they hate you know like who knows well that's just it are they the best friends because they let you rock what you wanted to rock without mm-hmm. saying hey you look like shit or are they terrible friends because they're not like hey guys you can maybe change up your look and look 20 twenty thousand percent better yeah mm. I don't know. I think when you're 18, it's better if your friends don't tell you how bad you look. Yeah, that's true. You carry <laughs> that around true. forever. Like if, Re- if Rebecca yeah. looked bad now, I feel like we would be bad people if we Thank weren't you. like Rebecca. Thank I you. don't. You have to just go back to your natural hair color. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Lindsay, all the time, I'm like bangs. She's like no. no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I am a retired cosmetologist. Mm -hmm. Oh. So I used to do broke improviser's hair. That was how Mm -hmm. I got some extra scratch when I first moved to Los (laughs) Angeles. That's right. And uh, I did Rebecca's hair Mm -hmm. on occasion. And recently, you know, when you go, I think the rule is when you go through as a woman, as a modern woman, Uh Mm -hmm. when you go through um, emotional times. Yes. Mm-hmm. All you want to do is fuck with your hair. Yes, yeah, that's totally. all you want to do. That's how I got this haircut. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It looks good. Yeah, Thank I know you. you did well. With yeah, your high emotional times. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's very good. I almost did a buzz cut on mine. Oh, bold. Um, no. But then I slept on it and I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Rebecca often um, portrays her emotions with the one of bangs. Bangs. And sh- bangs. She'll text me at like midnight, bangs, and I'll just say no. No, yeah, no. Midnight is being generous, though. <laughs> like it's real late into the night. And then I wake up at like 7. I'm like, sorry, I hope you didn't get bangs last night. <laughs> I didn't. I never do. I usually just fall asleep in a, just on top of some old laundry. Mm-hmm. I, I cut some emotional bangs of my own when I was 20. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And then they were page boy bangs. Ooh. Not intentional. No. And I went to the salon <laughs> that I was working on. And they looked at me and they said, what happened? I said, I got drunk and I cried and I cut bangs last night. Uh-huh. And I said, is there anything you can do? And they said, no. You yeah. just got to let that shit grow out. Wow. Yeah. During um, finals week in college, my roommate would have to hide all the scissors in the house. Yeah. Because every quarter I would give myself bangs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Emotional bangs. That should <laughs> be an improv bangs. team that name. Should be, that should be. Yeah. <laughs> or just like a podcast where just someone comes in and they're like, are they going to do it or not? And by the end of the podcast, they've either given themselves bangs. No one else can touch the scissors or they don't and they leave. I love that. <laughs> also a podcast based solely on the stories that go behind emotional hairstyles. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. You know. Should we do it? Yeah. Should we just do the- Is that, should that just be our- <laughs> Sure. I mean, this is definitely my area of expertise. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Real tears. Oh, we're all crying. It's all happening. So let's talk about your yeah, life. Okay. Oh. <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah, let's. we usually start from the beginning, but okay. like whatever you feel, whatever comes up. Um, but you're from Sacramento. I'm from Sacramento. Zach Town. Mm-hmm. Recently renamed Ladybird Town. Yes. That's right. Mm-hmm. I did, how did you feel about Ladybird's portrayal of Sacramento? Um. It was one of these movies that that when people were like, oh, I really like this movie. I was like, how could you even relate to this movie? This is mm-hmm. just a documentary about my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I think when, when people talk about how much they like Lady Bird, you know, I graduated college one year. I mean, college. I graduated high school one year after Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go to St. Francis, which, uh, which is the Catholic school she went to. I went to public school. But it's like I had crushes on all those same boys. Mm-hmm. I did high school theater. There's a scene where, like, her and her best friend get back together, and she's like, I'm so excited to go to the state fair. And I'm like, yes. will anyone mm-hmm. even think this movie is good? Like, that was – that sh- I've, like, I've lived so many of those real scenes. Mm-hmm. It was it was like – I didn't even see that movie. It just was, like, absorbed into my body. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's my way of saying I think it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we graduated high school – what, you were 2004? Yeah. Same. Oh. Um, so I – too, but I think because they say that Sacramento is the Midwest of California. Which is not untrue. I mm-hmm. grew up in Indianapolis, which yeah. is the Midwest of the Midwest. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it is, it felt is. like I, it, again, it was like all theater boys, yeah. all crying like mm-hmm. in the back of somebody's car to Dave Matthews band mm-hmm. all the time. And also a passive aggressive mother who loves you so much, but just has a really hard time showing it. Yeah, totally. uh, It did. It felt very uh, also Midwest Wisconsin. Like it felt like... I don't know, a home, like a weird homecoming movie mm-hmm. that, that was relatable to me mm-hmm. as well. Oh, so go see Lady Bird. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I guess so this podcast is now about Lady Bird too. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> then you should do it. And actually that blue house is like two houses down from a girl that I was friends with in high school. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. Who 
now is a horrible relationship with her parents. And it's one of these things where we're friends on Facebook and her mm-hmm. life is so tumultuous and I'm not involved in it at all. Mm-hmm. But like the reason I, I remember that that house was two da- houses down from her house is she put it on Facebook and then like she got in a big fight with her parents and it was this whole thing. And then she was talking about how they live in the Fab 40s, but they can't really afford it. And it's just like Lady Bird. And I was just like, I can't unfriend this girl because I'm so deeply invested yes. in her life that I'm not involved in at all. Mm-hmm. Um, also, hot tip for people from Sacramento, uh, Halloween mm. trick-or-treating is the best in the Fab 40s. Wow. Oh. Do they give full-size candy they bars? They give full-size candy Did bars. Do they leave them Fuck. out and they're like, take one? And you're like, no. bullshit. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, oh man. I never got a full-size candy bar going trick-or-treating. Oh, my God. Never in my life. Yeah. Those poor, poor older older couples who you'd go trick or treating. They either have the worst shit, or they didn't know what to do, and they had like the greatest Snickers. And yeah, like, whoa. They're like, we're so lonely. Our children don't come uh-huh. to visit come, us. Come take one. Um, okay, so you grew up in Sacramento, mm-hmm. and you were a ladybird adja- adjacent type of personality. I take it. Uh, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lots of theater. Mm-hmm. Yes, my parents are are and were heavily involved in regional theater in Sacramento. Oh, amazing. So I'd say um, starting at the age of like two or three, being made to sit through night after night of uh, Gilbert and Sullivan rehearsals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Which as a two or three-year-old is thrilling, I'm sure. Wow. I love Gilbert and Sullivan now. Well, there you go. This, I think that was probably the beginning of me thinking that I was a Victorian child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> With like a stick and a ring? And no. Like... I mean, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Stick mm-hmm. and hoop, yes. Yeah, hoop. Feeling maybe like out of time. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, not relating to my peers at all, I think began here uh-huh. in, the, in the rec room <laughs> at Sierra 2. <laughs> I remember like reading, you know, all the kids are like reading Goosebumps. And I, I remember my mom being like, do you want me to get you like Goosebumps books? And I'm like, mm, was it written by a British person? And she was like, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, mm, I think I'll probably just reread Alice in Wonderland in the Secret Garden again. <laughs> That's my greatest, like the greatest child that I've ever heard of. Yeah. Just, like, and Mary Poppins, it. who is very mean in the real book. Yes. Oh, shit. So good. They're really? so good. Yeah. Oh damn! She she teaches and guides with sternness, mm. and then magic things will happen, and they'll be like, "Oh, Mary, that was so incredible! That magic thing." She'll be like, "That didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about." What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I guess Mary. I think about it. She was gaslighting. Yes, her she's crazy. She's like, "You're crazy. You're fucking crazy." And then now yeah. go to bed on time, or the magic yeah. will never happen <laughs> again. You crazy on? person. She's like, I'm right. You guys are crazy. <laughs> wow. Wow. Very cool. Um, so then, so you grew up and you did theater and all, and that kind of, did you know going to college, like you wanted to be in entertainment, like you wanted to do like wardrobe, costume style, like what, where did that come from? Um, it's all from my mother <clears throat> um, who told me that I couldn't just stay at home during the summer. I had to either go to camp or have a job. Mm-hmm. So when I was 14, you kind of have to be a camp counselor or you have to get a job. And my mom was like, well, maybe you could get a job like in retail because you like clothes so much. And I was like, ooh, the public. (laughs) (laughs) And um, my dad was working at this uh, theater in Sacramento called Music Circus, which Mm -hmm. at the time was in a tent Mm -hmm. and had been in a tent since the 50s. Wow. And it's a theater in the round and it was in a tent. 
And I started working there um, this summer when I was 14. My dad had worked there for so long, he was just like, hey, man, she's cool. Like, I'll check up on her. Like, I know she's totally a minor, but it's probably very cool. <laughs> and I worked there every summer until I graduated from college. Oh. Wow. So what did you do as, like, a 14-year-old when you first started? Were you... <laughs> <laughs> I did... Uh, I dressed the show, so I did, like, quick changes and cleaned up booths. And also I loved – because it was in a real tent, mm -hmm. there was no air conditioning, which if you're from Sacramento or you've been to Sacramento, in the summer, over 100 is, like, the average temperature. My Oof. God. <laughs> so you can imagine the temperature inside of a real circus tent. So I loved – I would scramble up the ladders to turn on all the swamp coolers. Mm -hmm. oh. That was my favorite job. <laughs> 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 um, but, no, the first summer I just – I was dressing. I did, I think, my first show there – I don't even remember what my first show was. I remember I worked Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and they gave me a very, like, high rank. Like, they gave me, like, a principal character, and he had, like, a 30-second quick change, and I fucked it up twice during dress rehearsal, so they fired mm. me and, like, knocked me back down to ensemble. And mm. I cried and yelled at a theater, like, executive, and that's probably my proudest moment. That oh. is <laughs> something to be very proud of. Yeah. yeah. And oh, I think, man. Yeah. So as a as a I mean this is the coolest thing ever because my summer jobs were at the Gap, um, <laughs> the public. <laughs> I had to deal with the public, and you when I think the alternative, like just nightmare, <laughs> yes. you lived it. Uh, the the scent pink that pinks no. There's like a pink scent that smells kind of grapefruity that mm -hmm. the Gap still has. Yeah, really. PTSD immediately. Oh I smell God. it. I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> Back to the days. Um, remember grass? Like they have like grass and sky. Yes. I got all those like no. minimalist. Oh, I got those for gifts for like most of my high school. The only high scent school. I remember is in middle school. All the girls had this like roll-on scent from Victoria's Secret. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. My mom wouldn't buy me anything from there, so I just had to look from afar. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you were a 14-year-old actually involved in actual theatrical yeah. productions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this is another thing that separated me deeply from my peers <laughs> is that during the summer I was working in like an equity mm -hmm. theater with like real adults and I and like real responsibility. Mm -hmm. I'm using air quotes for your audience <laughs> because this is also sort of the beginning of me being like, this is so crazy. This is like not a real job, but mm -hmm. also – and it's, like, the most responsibility you can possibly feel for something that doesn't matter at all. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's that guy missed his quick change for Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and was, like, 15 seconds late on stage. And I, you know, was fired. And, I mean, again, I was 15. Like, this is so stupid. Like, of course I cried. But mm -hmm. it was just, like, <laughs> I felt so, like, deeply upset about the fact that I couldn't get this fake cowboy makeover <laughs> done in under 30 seconds and that was like this is what's so important to me yes mm -hmm. it's the end of the world it's the yeah. end of the world yeah but i yeah. think a lot of people feel that way in entertainment later in their like you got to have that experience when you're 15 i think like like when i first started like the panic of like things being important or like assistants that i know where they were like you have right. to roll this call or like it's life or death like mm -hmm. have, have it later in life so you kind of were already primed for that yeah this yeah. is sort of a sidebar, but I was in Sequoia National Park and a motorcycle tried to pass me on the left mm -hmm. while I was signaling and slowing for a left. <laughs> this is very much already been settled law. But um, so I, I like clipped him and he like laid his bike out. If we'd been in LA, I would have been like, oh, this guy's a stunt guy. He laid yeah. his bike out. He was not injured at all. Mm -hmm. And 
um, my front bumper of my car was like ripped off and like all his friends were like, yeah, he definitely tried to pass you on the left after you signaled mm-hmm. like this guy's such a fucking asshole. Yeah. And this park ranger came up to me and she was like, wow, you're really calm. You know, this is a situation where people will be more freaked out. And I was like, oh, I have a really stressful job. And she was like, oh, well, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm in show business. And she, mm-hmm. this fucking forest ranger just like rolled her eyes so hard <laughs> at me. She was like, Okay. <laughs> Oh, it's true, yeah. though. But yeah. at the same time, I was like, this guy's fine, and yeah. I'm not worried about a producer coming in and, like, yelling at me yeah. about something I have no control over. Like, yeah. I accept that I have no control over this other person, and it's over. Yeah. So, He's great. He's not dead. Yeah. He's totally fine. Yeah. Exactly. It's, so <laughs> it's all for, like, such bullshit. But, yeah, I it's know. so high stakes, and it's not, like, again, the idea of having a work culture that isn't, like, hair trigger is right. crazy. <laughs> like, Well, it was interesting. I don't know if you guys saw this on Deadline and other places um, recently, but I think it's Jeff Franklin who was running Fuller House, which by the way, it's like, you're running Fuller House. Yeah, Let's start with that. Chill. Yes. <laughs> um, he got fired for inappropriate behavior that was very cryptic in the writer's room. People mm-hmm. had complained. He got fired, yada, yada, yada. It wasn't a Me Too movement thing because I don't think it was sexually sexual harassment based, right. but sound like he was a tyrant for again. Let me repeat it. Fuller House, yeah. right? Like, what um, the fuck? Yeah, and in the comment section, everybody was just like, "Well, this is a real slippery slope because to make great TV, you have to scream and yell sometimes." And I'm oh, like, gosh. "No, shut up." <sighs> Can we just first of all back up and remember that you're saying that you have to scream and yell to make great TV? Mm-hmm. On an article that's pertaining to Fuller House. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, no, bro, you don't have to scream and yell. Like, everybody could just have a great time and not yell at each other. And when something gets fucked up, you know it's going to get fixed. Yeah. Right. But it's that's fine. Not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's A-OK. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. So, you you had that experience and then you went to college. And, what, like, tell um, us about that. I feel like I just like Lady Bird, Mm -hmm. really hated Sacramento. Mm -hmm. Really, all I wanted to do was get out of Sacramento and just like literally go anywhere else. Um, I went to school in Irvine, California, which is literally anywhere else. (laughs) (laughs) It is just not – It's. I had a great time there, and I think that it's a great school because it is a UC, Mm -hmm. and it has a lot of – facilities and a lot of money to do things that a regular C would do, but it's kind of like on the fringes of what's considered like a good University of California. So it feels really small. Mm. And, you know, there's no pressure, at least in the drama department, that when I went, you know, there's it's just not pretentious at all. They're just like, hey, man, we're at UC Irvine. If students want to put on productions, that's great. So I like I went on a couple of interviews for other schools and I was like, what can I do in, as an undergrad? And they're basically like, write papers and apply to graduate school and mm-hmm. I was like well that no, sounds thank you yeah no thank you like I want to yeah. be a costume designer I certainly do not have to go to graduate school um, but at UC Irvine they were like hey kids you want to put on a play like apply to get on the waiting list for one of the venues and like we'll set you up with a costume design student and we'll set you up with a lighting design student and they really I feel like did a really good job of preparing you for what you have to do when you're out of school which is like hustle. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to put on a show, you have to find all the people, you have to find the venue. A lot of kids, like I worked with this guy named Peter Quo who started a theater company inside of UC Irvine and he raised money and it was really important for him to put on like diverse plays and he would get actors who weren't getting in like the main stage, like mainstream school plays and like put on plays with them. And like that was kind of incredible. But because I didn't have any other experience at the time, I was just like, all schools must be like this. 
this is like really fun. And Mm -hmm. there are not very many um, costume design students there. There's not like a costume design degree there. It's just drama. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in costume design, you kind of get to do whatever you want. That's awesome. Awesome. And I got to take graduate classes and I designed like a million shows. And I got this, like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I don't know. I think it's good to be young and not know anything sometimes because you end up doing things that it, later in life you're like, who let me be in charge of other students, some of mm-hmm. whom, some of whom were older than me. Mm-hmm. But it was like I was in the costume shop because at Music Circus for two years I was a stitcher. So they'd be like, oh, we have all these kids who have like a requirement for the costume shop. Like why don't you just like te- run them through like the, the required steps. So for like a week I was a teacher in the costume shop every quarter. Whoa. And when I look back on that, I'm like – what? <laughs> like, why? Why would I? Why would anyone? I mean, I'm I am very responsible, but um, it just seems crazy when I look back at that. And then I graduated, and if you want to stay in theater, you really shouldn't move to Los Angeles. That's just like a yeah. huge mistake. Yeah. So I kind of knew by the time I graduated, I didn't want to stay in theater all the time, but also had no experience on set mm-hmm. at all, and. Um, I also moved to Los Angeles during uh, the recession. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even people who'd been working for years weren't getting any work. And there wasn't a big, like, call for PAs. And I didn't know anybody in town. And I just started – I was just, like, getting jobs on, like, Craigslist. And there was this website that may or may not still exist called Staff Me Up where people would be like – Oh, it still exists. Okay, cool. <laughs> Looking yes. for a designer, $150 for two weeks' work. And I'd oh be like, God. yes, please. <laughs> I'm <And> here. <laughs> yeah, I'm there. LA, here I am. $150. <laughs> oh, my God. I've made it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I always – tell people, like, if you don't have any experience, go and work on a student film because they don't have any experience either and they won't be mad at you when you're standing in front of a camera by accident, you know, because I'd been working in theater since I was 14 and I started in the round and then, like, at UC Irvine, they've got every kind of theater. They've got a black box. They've got, like, a regular proscenium. They've got a thrust. It's, like, a very, you know, you learn to sort of move around all these different spaces and I just remember being on set the first time and feeling like I did when I was 14 and I didn't know where to stand and I didn't know who to talk to and Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that guy was doing and I this is still true of me I have no idea what the camera can see at this point I'm just like the camera sees everything Mm -hmm. you know I don't care what kind of lens is on it it can see everywhere (laughs) so I always always tell people like when in doubt when you're on set just stand next to a cart because nobody will put this cart in the shot and Mm -hmm. you'll be fine yeah but not too close to the cart because then people will yell at you for touching things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so nowhere's actually safe, but this is a little yeah. bit safer it's than that. the best that. you're going to get. Yeah. Right. That's good. In yeah, the same way that, that if someone was standing too close to the wardrobe rack, I would mm-hmm. yell at them. I mean, Absolutely. it's just like fair is fair. Yeah. Totally. Totally. <clears throat> yes. So you, so you did odd jobs in LA. Yes. Um, very odd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you enjoy the city? Like, how was the, just the transition for you? Um. It was horrible. Living in L.A. is really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I probably lived in L.A. for three years before I felt comfortable here at all. Yeah, I agree. And that just, you know, my job involves a lot of driving around. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, people who have regular jobs who are mythical creatures to me, you know, drive from their house to work. They might have like a neighborhood they like and they go to that and they're familiar with that. But it's like I have to be familiar with every part of town. I have to know what every mall has in it. I have to know yeah. – you know, I have to be on location. And so, like, I've been a lot of weird places. Like, I have opinions about Whittier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, tell us. Them. <laughs> tell us them. <laughs> well, they tore down the um, 
juvenile prison that used to shoot shooting locations. So I probably will not have to go to Whittier ever again. Mm-hmm. And it's one of these things where it's like it's much better for the community that they tore this prison down, mm-hmm. but also it was a very cool haunted Ooh, shooting shit. location. Oh. <laughs> what did you shoot there? Um, I shot a couple things there. I did um, f- uh, review with Forrest McNeil there. Love mm-hmm. review. Yeah, that's a show that changed my life. Yeah? Yes. Oh, cool. And um, what else? I did a Lifetime movie there. And In a haunted I, prison? Yeah. <laughs> when it get, it, did like, I write it? It? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a school. So it like it played it as a prison in review, but mm-hmm. it was it, – I think we were just shooting it like a school on this Lifetime movie because it, it was built in like the 20s or maybe like the teens as – like a kid's juvenile hall kind of school, and then they added onto it in the 60s, and then they added onto it maybe in the 80s. So there were lots of different, like, locations with lots of different looks, but mm-hmm. it was all creepy and awful. I'm sure it's definitely haunted. Yeah. Yeah, well, now those um, ghosts haunt a probably a beautiful community center in mm-hmm. Stripmall. Yeah, hey, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. What was That's I great. talking about? Oh, know. driving around. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I would say like three years to sort of figure out my way around the city. And um, I lived in Koreatown for f- the first four or five years I was in L.A. And I loved it. I just had a great like 1920s apartment that had no air or heat. Mm. What about oh, parking? no heat? Did you have a parking spot? I didn't. But here's the K-Town thing. There were class. so oh. many houses on my block. Yeah. There was always parking. Oh, really. amazing. Yeah, there was only that's... one or two apartment buildings. Wow. Okay. And some people in my building had parking spots. Okay. Just not me. Yeah. I, I love Koreatown, but parking is a nightmare. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. 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 Um, so what was the first job where you were like, oh, shit. I mean, like, what was kind of like your break out of like, odd staff me up shit into TV. Um, so I met this woman at Music Circus. Her mm-hmm. name was um, Marcy Froelich. I was her design assistant mm-hmm. one year. I was 17, so very ready to be a design assistant yeah, yeah, yeah. on an equity musical. Um, the other thing that's great about Music Circus is they do seven Broadway shows in seven weeks. Oh so also God. the production schedule is Holy like, shit. I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, I can do the Music Man in two weeks with oh. my eyes closed now. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I met her and she does work in movies and television and she recommended me to be a free intern on this movie called Dirty Girl. And um, they were super nice. They were like, you're a free intern. This is basically like volunteer work. We're mm-hmm. only going to make you work eight hours. Yeah. Which is really right. nice. Yeah. I, re- I just, that came out of my mouth and I was like, if somebody listens to this who's not in the business, they'll be like, that's inhumane. That's, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, eight hours is a half day for me. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was really nice. It was this... A horrible situation where I did get abused a little bit, but only in a way that was very voluntary from my side, where I was asked to do things that were definitely not allowed by the union, but I was more than happy to do them. And because I've been working since I was 14, I was very capable of doing them. Mm-hmm. And I met another customer on that show, and she really liked me, and she was like, you're really responsible. I'm going to bring you on to this um, show I'm doing next. It was called Eagle Heart. Mm-hmm. It was a 15-minute show starring uh, Chris Elliott. Okay. Now, me, again, a person out of time. I was like, Chris Elliott? Oh, my God, Bob Elliott's son? <laughs> <laughs> I love him. <laughs> You're like, how so old good. is she? <laughs> you can't tell. <laughs> no one knows. No one knows. Um, yeah, I love the Komodo dragon bit. That's just like a really great bit. <laughs> Anyway, so I did this show, and the show flipped. And mm-hmm. Katie, the customer who brought me on, knew it was going to go union. Mm-hmm. And I met this designer named Jane Rum, who also met me and decided to sort of, like, go to bat for me. She probably knew me for 
about a week before the union, you know, tried to shut it down and flip it. And she had to make sure I got on the call sheet as a customer or I wouldn't have gotten in the union. And she had to fight with the producers to make sure I was on the call sheet under the correct title so that I could get in the union on this show. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm extremely lucky. It was, it was, I think people who've been trying to get in the union for years probably think that I'm an asshole. But it was also like once that show ended, I didn't know anybody. I'd never, I'd worked on a PA for like a couple commercials. Uh I'd never worked in a rental house. I didn't know anybody. So it was like, I could work for Jane. She knew me. I could work if Katie was working because she would recommend me. But that was kind of it. And so I did some set costuming. I was still working in theater. And um, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was 20... 12. So I got into the union in 2010. And around 2012, I was still kind of doing like theater part time and TV part time and trying to figure out like if I take this theater job and I was starting to kind of make a little bit more money doing theater, i.e. more than $150 for two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was in the union and you have to make certain like hour requirements to keep your health insurance. And also you just make so much more money Mm -hmm. when you're working on a union show that I sort of was like, if I I have to commit to one or the other. Either I have to decide I want to be in theater or I have to decide I want to do television. And I decided I wanted to do television. And then another designer I'd met at Music, Cir- Music Circus called me and said, hey, I'm doing The Music Man in Cooperstown, New York at the opera. Do you want to go with me? And I was like, yes, of course. It sounds incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the last, like, big theatrical production I did. After that, I did a couple, like, small plays in L.A. for people who I was friends with them and that was their company. But I, I don't really do theater at all. But that last summer in Cooperstown, I felt like was the last, like, big hurrah theatrical thing that was like super fun and like put a nice little bow I got to spend like a beautiful summer in uptown New York oh amazing uptown, upstate New York and like <laughs> uptown the ups, uptown New York uptowniest and stay in a um haunted house <gasps> in this um town called oh god some little town outside Cooperstown even smaller than Cooperstown and it was like this Victorian mansion that had been subdivided. So me and the other design assistant were living on the bottom floor. And then there was a woman who lived by herself on the top floor. And it had no um, internet access and it had no television. Oh, my God. And it did have a phonograph. Oh, God. No. I was going to ask about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, I, it was a, like a really cool and great summer. And then after that, I think when I got back from Cooperstown, that's when I did review with Forrest McNeil. Wow. And I met this um, another designer who I really like, and I've been working for her almost exclusively. And working on Review was one of those shows. I think that you said, like, that guy said you have to, like, yell and scream to make great television. Mm-hmm. The people who ran Review, it was Andy Daly and his, like, childhood friends, Jeff and Andy Blitz, ran this show like angels. Amazing. And they're so nice, and they're so twisted. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is so twisted. You know, you love Andy's character, but also you're like, you're a very bad person. Yes. Mm -hmm. But he's somehow surrounded by people who are even worse than him or maybe malicious in this way that he's not malicious at all. He's just dedicated. Mm -hmm. And maybe I saw a little bit of myself in his blind (laughs) dedication. (laughs) But I mean, they're just like the sweetest people ever. And I think that was the first show where I realized like, oh, I don't have to be abused to do this job. Like, I'm more than – you know, Andy gave us Halloween off because he wanted to go trick-or-treating with his kids. That's amazing. Did this fuck us on the last week? Yes, it did. (laughs) (laughs) Did we get the whole week off for Thanksgiving? Yes, we did. Was that also a mistake? Yes, it was. (laughs) But it was like – I mean, the show turned out great anyway. But 
it was just like, these are nice people who only want to work 12 hours a day, which again, I understand is a long day, but from our perspective is like, yeah. that's like a standard day. You only want mm-hmm. me to work from 8 to 8.30. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so thoughtful. And like, they would ask for something and if you didn't have it, they'd be like, okay, it was just an idea. And I'd be like, well, I can get it for you tomorrow if you want. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, why don't you, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're sort of like, I, I feel like you're more than happy to do that. Not that, I mean, I don't think that every show can be run like that because some shows are harder than review and they have like the personality to back that up. Mm-hmm. Like there were some people who'd be like, oh, you don't have it? Oh, that's too bad. And I'd be like, and you're never getting it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, that's that's not true. I I I will get anybody anything. I I, I feel like sometimes, um, people. My brother refers to me. I have a brother now. I grew up an only child, but he refers to me as a dream catcher. Like the first thing I ask somebody when I meet them is like, "What's your dream?" And mm-hmm. some people are like, "Oh, I don't have a dream," and I'm like, "That breaks my heart." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like that's part of what I do. I had I was just on Arrested Development, and. I was looking, I was just sort of like, it was the first time I really thought about this. And I was like, I have a hard time sometimes with, like I said, like this job is not important. You know, it's just TV. It's just Mm -hmm. something people are going to have on while they're cooking. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's important to me. And also like on a person to person level, like I love working for the designers that I work for. I want to make, I want to help them do a good job and for, like, showrunners or the people in the show, I'm helping someone's dream come true. Right. Which mm-hmm. is maybe a little grandiose, but at the same time, like, if if the word of department doesn't have their shit together, you don't get to shoot the thing that you planned on shooting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your dream of finishing this television show has been shattered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, totally. you know, and that's true for every department. Every department in a show that functions is working really hard to sort of, like, make this monster, like – sort of like crawl forward until right. you're finally done. And when you're on a good show, it's like being at summer camp, which is mm-hmm. the best feeling in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a bad show, it's just the worst, but you're like, but it'll be over in two months. Yeah. So yeah, who absolutely. cares? Yeah. That's the that's the good and the bad of working in entertainment. Yeah. Like if it's a terrible show, you don't have a job in two months and that's cool and you can right. move on. It's a good show. You still don't have a job in two months. Mm-hmm, but it's like your family. Exactly. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Right. My, family. my dad always says that show business is a place you make the best friends you'll never see again. Yes. Aww. Yeah. 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 He also says, if you're one in a million, there's seven people in Manhattan just like you. So <laughs> sort of, your parents sort of curbing. really just ground you. Yes. yes. <laughs> but I, okay, so if you ask people what their dreams are, what is your dream? Um, I want to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Just in general. Is that is that not post feminist? No, I think it's I think very feminist. Yeah. yeah. Post- I just I it's I think that was like a dumb thing to say, but I also sometimes feel <laughs> like I'm it's a very subservient job that I do. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're a set customer, like you are basically a butler. Mm-hmm. And it is really hard to get respect in a department that is primarily women. Yeah. I would say like ninety nine percent women. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um so when I say, like, I want to help, it's – it's I feel like that's, like, a stupid thing. That's, like – I, f- I feel like that might be a stupid dream. But at the same time, it makes me really happy, so I'm kind of just, like, over it. Mm-hmm. But on the, other, on the other side of that, you know, I graduated college wanting to be a costume designer. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that anymore mm-hmm. because that is a separate dream. That is, like – 
I want to be in charge. I want to be the one going to meetings. I want to be the one meeting the important people. I want to be the person getting credit, and I want to be the person holding the award. And, like, ultimately, you make a lot more money, too, and there is a lot of, you know, there can be a certain amount of fame involved, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not, i just not interested in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when did you realize you didn't want to be a costume um, designer anymore? Probably, like, 2011. Mm-hmm. And... It was part of the decision to not do theater anymore because in theater, I was only the costume designer. I mm-hmm. assisted on like bigger things, but I was getting bigger and bigger things as the costume designer. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's too, it doesn't play to the skills that I have. And I think there's a certain point where it's like you can play the skills that you have or you, or you can sort of fake a skill that you want as long as the skill that you have is very good at schmoozing. Right. Which I'm not. So I have to play the skills that I have, which is I have really good taste. I'm very fast. Um, I can read and analyze the script really fast because I went to drama school. Mm -hmm. And also at this point, I've read so many scripts and I've worked on so many shows. You're just like, you're reading the script and you're like, I know exactly what they want this person to look like. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll get thrown a curveball by a director or designer who's like, oh no, I know it felt like that when you read it, but actually I want this. And you're like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But um, that's so, and being helpful and being organized. And I feel like those are, those are the skills that I have. And, uh, schmoozing and going to meetings and that kind of stuff is it's boring mm-hmm. <laughs> and um the idea of having to hustle for jobs in that way where you're the top of the department and you are sort of like going out on pilot interviews and like you know finding an agent these are things that i find like existentially terrifying yeah <laughs> So I admire people who want to be writers or who want to be actors or who want to be directors. And, like, that is a position where you have to put yourself really far out there. Mm -hmm. And I I think I just realized, like, even though I thought of myself as really driven, I wasn't that driven. That's, Mm -hmm. like, a whole other level. Like, to be successful in show business, you have to be tough to a certain point and you have to be ambitious to a certain point. And then after that point, there's like whole other levels and you have to kind of decide where you fall. Mm -hmm. Totally. So I definitely went through really long periods where I felt like I was kind of a failure, even though I was working regularly, which in itself is in a tremendous success. Yeah. I feel like of all the people I know, you're always working. Like you're always fucking working. But I'm not doing the thing that I was, like, supposed to do. You know, like, I I foolishly, after college, instead of just getting a Gmail address that was my name, mm-hmm. got my name and the word design. Mm-hmm. And then every time I tell someone that, I'm, like, embarrassed. It's like, I'm not, I'm not this anymore. But now I'm stuck with it because, obviously, someone else got that Gmail address. Yeah. So I can't, I can't go back. I'm just stuck with this. <laughs> I should have just stuck with my original <laughs> Hotmail address. It would have been fine. Damn. Based regrets. I know. We've yeah, all had a I few. Know. But you do you do set costuming, but you also are a buyer. Too. Yeah, that's mostly what I do yeah. now. And that's that was like another step where it was like mm-hmm. you get in as a set customer. Basically everyone gets as a set customer. And I think a lot of people stay there because you get to um hang out with actors and be on the set and it's more exciting, mm-hmm. but it's also more boring. Mm-hmm. It can be because you just like theater, you spend a lot of time like sitting around not doing anything right. while they're shooting it or while they're setting up for it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I am a shopper 
key now and a key customer is sometimes kind of like an assistant to the designer and sometimes just like an organizational person who's like, how many background are we going to have today? Oh, God. Mm. Okay. (laughs) so, but making that transition from set customer to shopper, I think, is was kind of like my decision to stop doing theater. In that you have to, you have to sort of like find the right person at the right time who's desperate enough to hire you for this job that like you're maybe not qualified for. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially too, when you make the jump from set customer to shopper, someone's giving you a credit card with mm-hmm. you know Fox Studios money on it. So like, don't fuck up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you, they don't want you to just be like anybody off the street. But eventually you will meet someone desperate enough to hire someone they don't know, which is actually how I have the job I have now. Yeah. So They were desperate. They was like, <laughs> Hollywood. Yeah, everyone I know is working. Who are you? Somebody? Okay. <laughs> Help me. I'm having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, what is the job that you're working right now? Um, it's a Fox pilot. Mm-hmm. It is an untitled Robert Levine project. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess I can tell you because there have been deadline articles about it, but if they're making a TV version of Gone Baby Gone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that's gotta be. And it's the first pilot I've ever done. I've been in LA for a thousand years, it feels like now. Mm -hmm. I guess 10. Mm -hmm. And I've never worked during pilot season. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always thought it was weird and again, played into my um, feeling that I wasn't a success. So now I am a success. Yeah. Now I have worked on a pilot. Pilot season. done. That's right. Pilot season. (laughs) (laughs) Finance. (laughs) (laughs) South by Southwest. But I want to talk more about, because I think like being a shopper and like your encyclopedic knowledge of malls Mm -hmm. and stores around the area. My greatest power. Yeah. It's amazing. And I want you to give people advice and where to like, if you, I like, I, I want all your thoughts on basically you, you live and work in like, malls and in stores and you're finding things and you're digging things out and you're like like yeah is there any advice you have for just us plebs yeah like what's your superpower i guess um endurance in all things <laughs> is a superpower i would say that um what i think some of the mistakes that people make when they shop for themselves and this mm-hmm. is also a mistake you can make as a shopper for tv is is only going to one or two stores mm-hmm. the sad news is you have to go to every store what no. do you mean every store even a store even of a that store, store or no. every store in the every place. store in the in the galleria you Holy have to go to Fuck. every store in the Glendo Galleria and sometimes except for GameStop right you're not going into GameStop well I actually have a really soft spot for GameStop, GameStop. <laughs> it smells a, terrible in there but also and and like this is cruel in this way that it shouldn't be the people who work at GameStop are only going to be hired to work at GameStop you're never mm-hmm. going to see a cashier at GameStop who also works at the Gap right mm-hmm. because people at GameStop need to be knowledge about knowledgeable about something that you don't. You need to put time in to be knowledgeable about mm-hmm. because no one is crueler than nerds. Because, oh my god! Because nerds That's understand right. cruelty yes. because yes. they have been treated cruelly. Yes. So if you go into GameStop, and this is especially hard as a woman going into a comic book store less now than when I was in middle school, mm-hmm. but and being like, "Hi, can I buy a Nintendo Switch?" and they're like, "Sure." What do you know about it? (laughs) Why? I play Zelda. That's what I know about it. Here's $300. Go away. Take my money. That's not true. I actually love going to GameStop because, and I think that this comes too from working in TV and increasingly the people who are in front of the camera on TV look exactly the same. Mm. Being able to see at like real people, again, I feel like the word real people is sort of like unnecessarily cruel sometimes, but like Mm. these are just like 
real ass people right. who work at GameStop. They're not trying to sell like a lifestyle like in any kind of other retail store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, do go into GameStop. Okay, as well. okay, but go into all the stores <laughs> to get what you want. Right, because you because I think too, and I think this is true when people eat food. Like you'll just go to the same place and always order the same thing, mm-hmm. and it's like it's true. You know, the last 10 times you went into the Gap, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. But now you're going to the Gap and you really like three things. Mm-hmm. Or you find that one shirt that's the shirt you're going to have for 10 years. Right. And you're just like, I can't get rid of this ladybug shirt. It's so cute. Yeah. Um, so that that's sort of like my general advice about shopping, mm-hmm. to like challenge yourself also, occasion- I always find that, like, the thing I end up liking most is, like, the thing I grabbed at the last minute before I went into the fitting room. Like, I'm, like, oh, I'm trying to buy jeans, so I'm – but I foolishly wore a dress today. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to grab a T-shirt so I can just try these jeans on and, like, see it with an outfit. And then the only thing I buy is that T-shirt. Mm-hmm. And then that T-shirt becomes my favorite thing. Yeah. So I think it's that same thing where, like, they tell you the best decisions you make are the ones you make when you have to pee. Mm-hmm. Where, like, sometimes just, like, maybe go into a store and be, like, don't, like, overthink it. Just be, like, oh, I like this shirt. Mm-hmm. I'll take this. Mm-hmm. I'll try this. I'll try this. And the other thing is, like, you actually have to try it on. You can't just yeah. be like, oh, right. I like this thing. More, Most especially, I think, too, because the way clothes are made now, everything fits different. Even the same shirt in a different color can fit differently. Hmm. And this is something that, like, totally screws you when you're on TV, when you're like, oh, I know this actress likes this pair of jeans. I'll just get her the same jeans, but she can't be in light jeans because her boyfriend's wearing light jeans in the scene, so let's get her a dark wash. And then they fit totally differently, and she she's like, I don't really want to wear them. They're really uncomfortable. And it's like, oh, the dye process on this fabric changed the way that they oh, fit. Man. Oh. Or, like, I had a pair – it was just, like – so, like – you just got to try everything on. Yeah. <laughs> and be willing to alter things, which is something that I'm not willing to do because I'm lazy. But it does <laughs> ultimately make everything you wear look better. And also my mom's always calling me and being like, I really like this outfit that was on The Good Wife. And be like, they made that. Or they bought that shirt and they changed it so much that you'll never be able to find it. Yeah. You know, the oh, designer I work, know they did that. Yeah, the designer I work for all the time will be like, I love this Rebecca Taylor dress. Let's make it into a top. <laughs> and it's like, if you like that, great. You're never going to find it in the stores. And that's the other thing I learned from working with Molly is like, if you see a fabric that you like or the cut is right in one way but not in another way, I know when I'm working with her to pull that anyway. Because I'll be like, I know it's a dress and you wanted a top. Mm-hmm. And either she'll be like, oh, I really like that dress. Actually, or she'll be like, oh, yeah, we can just cut that in half. Or we yeah. can take the sleeves off. Or on playing house – we couldn't find the exact right tuck shirt for Keegan-Michael Key, and we took two tuck shirts and made them into one because he has such long arms. That's crazy. So it was like we bought like a cheap tuck shirt from the men's warehouse that had long enough sleeves, but the J. Crew tuck shirt that had the nice front. And we were mm-hmm. like, you'll never see his sleeves. Frankenstein's which is shirt. Which is like always hard too because one of the lessons I learned really early on is like if the director says, no, we won't see her shoes in the shot – make the actress wear her shoes anyway Mm -hmm. because they don't really know. They do know, but they change their mind. Right. So, like, Mm -hmm. when they set up the shot the first time, they'd be like, oh, there's no way we're going to see her shoes. And then you always, you know, like, you just have to be prepared. So the tuck shirt, I think, did, we did see the sleeves on it, but it's just a white shirt, so Mm -hmm. who cares? But also it's very expensive. There's The other thing you learn when you're in television for long enough is just, like, a tremendous waste of money. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, what happens to (laughs) all the clothes after a show wraps? Um, they go in boxes and um, they 
sit in a very hot storage facility until the show is brought back. Mm-hmm. Um, or some shows will do like what's called a soft wrap and they'll have like cages at, at, at the studio and they sort of just put everything in that cage and then it'll come out again to be loaded into a trailer. And then when a show is canceled, every studio has what's called an asset warehouse, which is basically just like a really fun free-for-all mm-hmm. that's full of like old sets, old props, oh, old man. office supplies, mm-hmm. old wardrobe, and it's overwhelming how much stuff is there. But by the time stuff makes it to the asset warehouse, once the show's canceled, the first line of stealing is actors mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and producers will come in sometimes too and take stuff. Then you have to contend with the customers who are like, this show's canceled. I like this top. Mm-hmm. And um and then um and then it will go to the asset warehouse. So the word asset is used very loosely here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Picked over. Yeah. 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 Discards. I worked with an actress once that um, the set designer went in and made her office super comfy, comfy and put like really nice couches and decorations and that kind of thing in. And um, she fell in love with the the side tables that they put in. Yes. And again, when a show gets canceled, actors are the first to be like, yoink, mine now. Yeah. And usually they get away with it. She didn't realize that these uh, set pieces had been re- had been rented oh, boy. and had to be returned. So last day of shooting, she had her assistant load those side tables up in her car and she drove away with them. Amazing. And then the week of my wrap, because usually I'll get a week after to wrap out for no reason because there's nothing for me to do. <laughs> Love it. Um, and the, the set designer comes in and she's like, where are those fucking tables? Mm-hmm. And myself and the actress's assistant just sat at our desks frozen like, uh, Ooh. Santa Monica? Yeah. <laughs> well, somehow, somewhere, yeah. Yeah. She did get them back, but it was uh, a couple days of panic. Oh, yeah. Oh, I God. did this super low-budget um, horror movie, which I don't know if it was ever released. And the actor came in for his first fitting and on things like that, or even on TV sometimes, if it's just like really quick, you'll ask people to bring in their own clothes, mm-hmm. especially like for jeans and stuff where it's just like, it's going to look better if yeah. it's yours. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this guy came in for his fitting and like three of the, the shirts that he brought in had Universal Studios barcodes in them. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Christ. And I was like, cool. Oh, nice <laughs> Nice work, dude. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> very, very nice. But uh, I also want to hear about talk or uh, working with all women or primarily women. Yes. How that is and what the dynamic is? Um, It's great. Mm -hmm. I think that in a lot of ways, uh, I'm very ignorant of sort of like how hard it is to be a woman in show business because Mm -hmm. I have never had to contend with, you know, a man being promoted over me because he's a man Mm -hmm. or anything like that. And I've also been sort of, just the jobs I've been on, I also haven't been on a lot of jobs where people are like, oh, well, this is like, my cousin, so you have to hire her because the what we do isn't – I think – I've just been lucky. I think there are a lot of shows where it's like, oh, this is my stylist I brought from New York and she's has to be the key customer now, but she doesn't know how to do anything and also she's not in the union. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some of that, but, I, you know, I, I've i been super lucky in that. I was – I feel like I've only been sexually harassed like two or three times. Yeah. At work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> At work. Outside it's outside work. Hellscape. Totally different. Um, and it's really nice. You there's other things about working with all women um, that this is not true across the board, but some people I feel like sometimes things get taken personally more mm-hmm. often in an office where it's all women. And I think you have to be able to navigate like the complicated all woman social structure, which can be uh 
It's just like another skill. You have to just yeah. be able to read people in a different way than if you're in mixed company. And I th- also think this is true that a group of all men is worse behaved than a group of women and men, and a group of all women is worse behaved than like. Mm-hmm. It's so it's like sometimes it's really most of the time it's been really great. I've been very very lucky, but also s- sometimes and this is also a motivation for being a shopper. I spend a lot of time alone mm-hmm. in my car. Yeah, and. When you're in an office with all women, there's literally not a single moment of silence. Yeah. Which yeah. is just like a lot when you're with people for 17 hours. Even oh, yeah. if they're people that you really love and you're like, I really love what you're talking about. But also like – Shut up. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sh- yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I really like it. I've always been good at navigating um, like all all women's social structures. I think that – not not to just bring up my mom at every turn, mm-hmm. but it was something that I. she always told me she had a lot of difficulty navigating, like, you know, in high school and middle school when all of a sudden, like, these giant, like, labyrinths open up in front of you and it's like, figure it out, kids. Now mm-hmm. everything's different. Yeah. Everything you knew is over. Those boys who were just your friends, maybe they're not just your friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and these, these girls who seemed really easy to understand, mm-hmm. now they're having conversations you don't understand and everyone <laughs> wants to hug hello. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that I, I've, maybe because my mom said she always had trouble put a lot of effort into figuring out how to kind of play both sides. And also a wardrobe department can kind of be like a restaurant where there's like constantly a fight between like the front of house and the kitchen. I watch Mm -hmm. a lot of Food Network. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Where it's like you have the people on set who have to deal with directors and producers wanting to change things at the last minute or an actor coming out of their trailer and being like, I don't want to wear this. Or, you know, just like last minute things or just the, you know, just being set, it just be hard being on set because you're there for 17 hours a day. It's a much longer day. You're on your feet. You're being asked to make last minute decisions all the time. You need what you need. And if you're not getting what you need, you're pissed. Mm -hmm. And then the office people being like, why didn't you do that thing I asked you to do? We planned this out correctly. We're so busy trying to prep for next week. You haven't even read the scripts. Like we have to deal with all these last minute casting changes and like all this stuff. And nobody, everyone feels like their job is harder. Mm -hmm. And I think the other reason that I kind of landed in the position that I'm in is sometimes the key can be the person who's like, yeah, I totally understand both of your problems. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I will try to make you feel taken care of. And I will also try to make this other group of people feel taken care of. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's one of my skills too, is being able to sort of like and and maybe that has to do with it being an all-female crew and maybe that just has to do with being an office team versus, like, a set team and that's always going to happen. I don't know. I've never yeah. been in any other department. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also find most of the podcasts I listen to, this is changing a little bit, but for, like, years and years, I would only listen to podcasts that were all male, which was not hard, obviously, mm-hmm. because sometimes all day I don't hear a man's voice. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I only hear women's voices. I'm on the phone with my boss. I'm talking to people on set. Even it tends to be, I've been working on a lot more shows where like the base camp PA is a woman and the second AD who's also in base camp is a woman. And Mm -hmm. like even like interacting that way, usually the writer's assistant or the script coordinator is a woman. Mm -hmm. So it's like even these people who aren't necessarily my department, the people that I have to coordinate with are sometimes women. And I won't hear a male voice unless I'm in my car listening to a podcast. That's so interesting. That's really interesting. I've never been to the point of missing a male's voice. I know, God. Maybe one day. Jesus, what a luxury. (laughs) (sighs) 
Oh God, I have so many other questions to ask you, but we have to wrap it up. Um, um so we I always end on the same thing. Yeah. Um we always like to ask the same question to all of our guests, which is uh what is your advice to any young woman or girl um, coming into the world, whether it be in your profession or just something that you would have liked to have heard when you were growing up? Ooh, that's hard. I feel like I had a really great childhood and I, I heard a lot of the right things, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I, th- I guess uh, – I guess sort of within the theme of like how hard it is for me to sort of like think of myself as a success is that I I think that when you're in school and especially if like in my case you're really good at school, mm-hmm. which is like a separate skill from being good at life, mm-hmm. you get really wrapped up in sort of like I got to get that A. And for me also it was about like getting out of Sacramento. So it was like I have to get all good grades and I have to do really good on my SAT so I can get out of this stink town and like get my life started. And then I got into college and it was kind of like, well, (laughs) now what? And then you get out of college and you're kind of like, oh no, I'm not getting this constant validation of getting an A on something. Mm -hmm. So I think that if if I had to sort of like go back and meet myself in high school, I would just say like start, I would start earlier finding things that made me happy that weren't about somebody else validating me. Oh, um, yeah. Which is, uh, I don't know, is it impossible? <laughs> because we're not, because like we live in a society with other people and right. you have to, you have to get something from someone else. But I think I accidentally ended up building everything about myself about validation from other people. Mm-hmm. And I think in my job, deciding to not be a costume designer and to be a key shopper was also about me sort of saying like, these are the things that I like doing and these are the things that I'm good at Mm -hmm. and I don't need the validation of being at like the top of the department right? Mm -hmm. and getting like all the praise. I'm okay with not, you know, necessarily like getting credit from someone up top for doing my job. It is nice to work for someone directly above you who gives you credit, you know, to work with a designer who's like, I couldn't have done that without you. Mm -hmm. That's all I need. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess like surround yourself with people who need you in a healthy way. Good luck. Um, (laughs) And um, yeah. And for advice for people going into what I do is just like, just like going into every store, keep your eyes open. Every time you're in a public place, that's research. What are people wearing? Where are people going? What is like, what are they, what are they wearing? What does that say about them? And then Try not too hard to, like, turn that in on yourself and be like, what about what I'm wearing says something about me. Right. (laughs) So we're doing that. (laughs) Um, And, like, watch different movies. Like, part of the thing that, like, again, kept me from uh, relating to my peers when I was in middle school and high school, I watched a lot of old movies. But then when I got to L.A., that got me work with a lot of more established older designers because they could we had kind of the same vocabulary and now I'm kind of having to play catch Mm -hmm. up because either those women are retiring or they're just doing different things and having to sort of build up another vocabulary of like oh yeah I didn't watch this movie when it came out but like now I'll watch it or um I didn't watch this cartoon or I didn't see this actor or I'm not familiar with that fashion brand and just being willing to uh just keep your eyes open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and uh, asking for help. That was another thing that I was really bad at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That we didn't cover. <laughs> is that like, I, I think this is true for um, all people, but I think especially for young women is feeling like a fraud. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I started working when I was 14. And in that way, I've been in show business for 16 years. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't feel like a fraud. But I did for my entire 20s. Right. Where I was just like, I don't deserve to be where I'm going. I don't know this thing, so I should just quit. I'm not going to pursue that thing because I'm not ready. And um, you just have to do it. Just be yourself when you're 16 and you don't know any better. And you just do the thing that you don't know you're not ready to do. Right. And just be that way for your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love I that. I think that's great advice. I know. I, I want to do that. I also want us to go shopping sometime. Yeah, dude, anytime. Yeah. I need help. But I need seriously, a lot of help. prepare yourself because I can shop for ten hours. I know. It's wow, like, it's like it's like JV bullshit won't fly. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't get you ready for varsity. Yes, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> I will not be shopping for ten hours until I see how amazing Rebecca looks, and then I'll be like, well, right. maybe yeah. I won't yeah. make you shop for ten hours. We'll just go to the gallery. We're just gonna have like a really relaxed time. Fuck yeah, yeah, I want all the stuff. And they have like a very good food court. I also have a lot of opinions about food courts that we didn't even get into. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm hungry. Wait, what's your favorite? Before we go, what's your favorite food court restaurant? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but the Macis Kebab, which has been in the Glendale Galleria since its opening in the 1970s, Mm -hmm. is really, really good. It was definitely the best place to eat at the Galleria um, until they got all those Korean (coughs) bowl, hot bowl places, which are also really good. Oh, yeah. If you have time, also highly Mm -hmm. recommend the restaurant in any Nordstrom. Fuck. Really? Yeah. Never been to a Nordy's restaurant. Got to yeah. get in there. All right. Yeah. Huh. Good to know. Noted. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. For this. this is so fun. So informative and cool. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm ready to go out there. I feel very inspired. Yes. Oh, good. Yay. Yay. Cheers. Clink. Clink. <laughs> <laughs> <That's okay. laughs>